Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's jump straight into it. Exodus 16 is going to come up on the screen. I'm going to read this. Uh, it says here, And they journeyed from Elim, speaking of, of the children of Israel, they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. When it says the wilderness of sin, it's not uh, talking about sin as we know it, as being separation from God. Um, the wilderness of sin is actually a place, an Egyptian city. It said they came to Israel in the wilderness of sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel at evening, you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. This story, if you know, familiar with the Bible, you know what's happened in, in this story that the children of Israel came out and they've been, um, it says a bit, of, it's about six weeks since they've come out of Egypt at this time and they've, they've come into this place and they've obviously run out of food and they, and they begin to complain and they begin to sort of cry out and God speaks to them through Moses and says, I'm going to provide for you. In their hunger, they began to cry out and God responds to their hunger and says, I'm going to provide for you. So we know the story. It says that God pours down manna or or as we sort of understand it, food or bread from heaven that fell down for them and supplied everything that they needed. But I want to use this story and I'm going to draw from a few other scriptures this morning and that. But I want to use this story to just simply preach a message that I'm just simply calling hungry hearts. Hungry hearts. Hearts, Because I believe that having a hungry heart is one of the most powerful things within the kingdom of God. The Bible talks often and it talks through Scripture and refers to our desire for God being like that of of a hunger or a thirst that comes from within our heart or within our spirit. David is one of the people that known throughout Scripture for writing some of the greatest Psalms referring to his desire and his hunger for God. It says in Psalms 42 verse 1, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. Luke 6 21, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Luke 6 25, Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Psalm 34 verse 8, a great verse, O taste and see that God is good. When we come before God as Christians and we come with a hungry heart, I want to tell you, heaven is attracted to a hungry heart. 
And I think something that we've got to be super mindful of as a church in this day and age and as we get used to doing church and great at doing services and, and, and so organised and structured in how we present our worship and our praise and our series and, and in everything that we're doing and everything that we preach, we cannot get away from having a hungry heart for more of God. We cannot get so used to the routine or so settled in how we're doing things that we lose our hunger and our desperate raw passion for Him. That's what I love about people like Jason Crabb. When they get up here, it's not just about the routine of singing a song, but you can hear it in the songs and you can sense it in the Spirit. There's a desire and a hunger for God. And we need to be this as Christians. We need to be people who have hungry hearts. You know that feeling or that sensation when you're physically hungry. Some of you are looking at me right now like you know it's time for lunch. You know, you know that feeling when you, you know, I'm a food person, like I like to eat. You know, don't agree with me out loud. I'm working on, on keeping thin, but, but I like to eat. We had Thanksgiving in Georgia last, was it last week, week before last? Last week, we ate, they eat food in Georgia that I didn't even know was food. It's, it's on a different level. It's on a different playing field. They put out things, it's just a bowl of something. Even when I ask them what it is and they tell me, I still don't know what it is. And you know when you go, you know, and there's pit, in Georgia, they're not embarrassed to eat either. Do you know what I mean? You know when you go to those gatherings, you know those family gatherings and you get a plate of food and if you're like me, you like to get two plates but then someone sees you and you sort of say, oh, it's for my wife. <laughs> do you ever do that? Oh, it's not. They're not both for me. <laughs> you know, and then you walk off to a quiet place and just start chugging down two plates of food while no one's looking. In Georgia, they're proud of it. They're like, all three are for me, you know. And you're like, have you guys eaten all week? Like, what is going on? Food is just such a part of, of who they are. I'm, I'm such a food person. People say, you know, you have people say, I'm a breakfast person. I'm not a breakfast person. I'm breakfast, lunch, dinner, and all the in-betweens person. But you know that feeling, you know that, that sensation when you get hungry, and that hunger begins to consume you. You know that hunger that takes over you, that hunger that consumes you so much so that you cannot think about anything else. You can't focus on anything else. You can't do anything else until you get food. This is the type of hunger that I'm talking about. When I'm talking about a hungry heart, I'm talking about a heart that says, God, I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for more of You. I'm desperate for more of Your presence in my life. I'm desperate for Your touch. I'm desperate for new revelation. I'm desperate for increase in my life. I'm desperate to know You more. And something that I wanna encourage us in as we come into this Christmas season, a season of tradition, yes, a season of celebration, the season of, of enjoying things and enjoying family and shopping and, and Christmas trees and Santa Claus and Christmas carols and all of the fun stuff we do at Christmas. I want to stir you and I want to encourage you. Let's approach this Christmas season with a hungry heart. 
Let's approach this Christmas season saying, God, in the middle of all of this this going on and the celebrations around us, I want to be someone who's hungry for more of You. I don't want to settle for what I've experienced before in the past. Perhaps you will make a decision this Christmas season to, 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 as you come to the new year to start next year with saying, you know what, I'm going to be someone who has a hungry heart. A hungry heart pulls from heaven. A hungry heart is a heart that will reach up and pull down from heaven. God loves hungry people. The thing about a hungry heart is a hungry heart is the evidence of humility. When you're hungry and you're someone who has a hungry heart, you recognise that you are in need. You recognise that you can't do it on your own. There's a humility that, 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 that is present when someone expresses that they have a hungry heart. When people get, when people get it's like they get full in their heart. They're, they're, they're done. They're happy. Having a hungry heart before God is learning to balance being full and hungry at the same time. We have to be in this place of humility. This is what I love about David. He wrote so many Psalms referring to a hunger for God, a desire to to know Him, a longing for Him. Understand David was one of the most blessed people in Scripture. David was favoured of God. David had finances. David had blessing. David had favour. David had increase. David had victories. David was anointed. David was winning battles. But David still at the end of the day had a hungry heart that said, God, with everything that I have, I still want more of you. God, I still, I'm still desperate for your touch. I'm still desperate for your presence. Well, God wants us to be blessed. Absolutely. God wants us to be, to, to be blessed. We know the verse beyond overflowing, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But we've got to guard ourselves. We've got to be careful. How much is too much? Let me answer it for you. However much causes you to lean not on God is too much. You've got to make a decision that you, God can. See, what the thing is with God is He, he can trust a hungry person. Can He trust you with what He gives you? That you want your dependency, you won't get full on what He's given you, but you'll hunger for more of Him. We've got to guard ourselves from, from getting full of, of different things around us. We've got to cover ourselves. He, 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 he responds to hungry people. In this story, it said that when God, when God spoke to Moses, He said, I will pour down heaven. I will pour down bread from heaven rather. And he says, I will give you enough for the day. And then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to come out the next morning and you're going to have to hunger again the next morning for more. See, God said to them, I'm going to give you enough, but I'm not going to give you so much that you lean on what I've given you, but I'm going to give you enough to provide for you now, but not too much that you won't come back to me and say, God, I need your touch again. See, we cannot get used to the blessings that God has given us. We've got to stay in this place of having a hungry heart. Are you someone that is hungry for Him? in the middle of where we are and we're a blessed people and we're, we're in a blessed area and, and so many of our families and what God has done, but is your heart in a place where you're hungry for Him? 
God responds to hungry people. Hungry people get the breakthrough. Hungry people take new territory. Hungry people step through and break through obstacles. Hungry people pull down blessing from heaven. Hungry people advance the kingdom. As I look across, even just across my life and the different things and, and, and places that God has sort of put me in and, and where God has blessed me and, and where we've been able to break through in different areas, especially in ministry and, and things like that. I look back and try and, you know, look back sometimes and see what God has done. And, and, and it's never been because of the, of the skill. It's never been because of anything that I've done other than just simply have a hungry heart. You've got to come to God with a hungry heart. When I started doing, doing uh, youth ministry and I took over the youth ministry in Melbourne, we had about 200 teenagers and it was, it was cool. It, it, the youth ministry had gone through a lot of challenges and had a, had a youth pastor earlier that had had a, a huge public moral fall that had really torn the youth ministry apart and the leaders. And, and I remember I'd, I'd get up there and preach. And, you know, I remember when we were first praying, I was praying that we would hit you know, reached 200 kids. And I'll never forget the first time we got 208 kids and, and I was pumped. But early days in the early season of it, where you're sort of pushing 200 teenagers and, you know, I'm getting up to speak and, and I don't know what I'm saying and not much different to today, but that's okay. And I get up there and preach and, and kids, that you, you know, the thing about teenagers is teenagers don't pretend like if they don't think you can preach, they have no problem in letting you know that. Like you guys are at least nice. You're like, oh, that's good preaching. Even though in your head, you're like, Lord, help him. But you know, at least you give, you give me a little bit. But teenagers are just like, they just don't care. Like you'll be in the middle of doing saying a point that you think is life changing. Kids out the front like, <sighs> you know, looking at their phone. They're like, you know, you're up there pouring your heart out. And you're like, I remember going and I remember, I remember leaving youth. Leaving youth group at night, just feeling like I'm just, you know, when you have those bad days, you know what I mean? You know, those days where you're just over it, you want to go home and eat a lot of food and go straight to sleep. Like an unhealthy amount. Do you know what I mean? Like, and not even good stuff. It feels like it's going to help the depression more the more unhealthy the food is. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just want to get a block of cheese, like a brick, just, just lay on the couch, like, all my cheese people are like, preach. I love cheese. What was I saying? Okay, yeah, so youth. youth. I, remember leaving, I remember one night, I remember leaving youth and just being dissatisfied. I remember walking out and just being this, I know there's more. I know, and I remember getting my car and I remember driving home and I remember getting home to my house and I remember pulling up out the front and before I got out of the car, I felt the Holy Spirit say, go for a drive and start praying. And it began to stir in my heart. And I remember I would go and I used to do it often. I would go to like a, a big a, a football field, an empty football field at night or sporting field or park area or whatever it might be. And I remember I'd get out and I'd start walking around the park and I'd start walking around the grass and I'd start praying and I'd, and I'd start declaring 
scriptures out over our youth ministry and I'd start speaking out over the, the teenagers of, of the city and, and I'd start speaking out over the high schools and, and I'd start declaring breakthrough over the youth ministry. And, and sometimes you've got to, sometimes you've got to stir up the hunger and the passion in your heart. And, and the more I sort of did it, the more it sort of my heart got, it's like my heart got set on fire. It's like something started to burn in my heart. And then, and then little bit by little bit, I started to see God move. And then the more I saw God move, the more passionate I got about the next thing that I felt God wanted to do. And I remember years later standing out the front of youth and, and we used to run, we had 13 buses that we used to bus teenagers in at that stage. And, and we had bus pickup points all over the city and we had leaders and security teams that are waving kids through as, as teenagers would, would pour off buses into youth. And I remember standing there and, and celebrating what God has done. But, but, but I look back now and I'm like, it wasn't because I necessarily knew what I was doing or we had the right teams or we had the right buildings or the right facilities. We didn't even have a facility. This was, we would have to bump in and bump out every week. We were using like a town hall in downtown Melbourne. Melbourne and we had teams setting it up. But I know that we were able to break through because it was a, a team full of hungry hearted people. We've got to have hunger within our heart. Are you hungry in your heart for what you need God to do in your life? Are you hungry in your heart to know Him more? Are you, are you hungry to, to, to experience more of Him? That raw hunger and passion in our heart for Him. It's hungry, it's hungry hearted people. God trusts hungry people. He trusts hungry people. In Psalms 107, it says He turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There He makes the hungry dwell, that they may, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. If we want God to give us a city, we need to be hungry people. We, we need to be hungry people. We need to be people that have hungry hearts for Him. He trusts hungry people. The thing about, the other thing about a hungry heart is hunger brings the breakthrough. In this story, it says that they were in Elam. They had been in Elam and they were on their way to Sinai. Elam the, the interpretation for, for Elam means, means palm trees. Elam was a place of comfort. Elam was a place where there were wells, there were date palms there. It was a nice place. Sinai is the place where, where Moses went up the mountain, remember, had the encounter with God and got the revelation from God. So they went from a place of comfort on their way to a place of encounter. If you want to leave a place of comfort to get to a place of encounter and a place of revelation, it's going to take some hunger in the middle. It's going to take a hungry hearted person to say, God, I don't want to stay in the comfort of where I am, but I believe that you have more for me. It's not just going to happen. Your destiny is not just going to float in the window and land in your lap. You're going to have to get hungry for it. The call that God has on your life is not just going to just unfold. You're going to have to be someone that get hungry for it, desperate for it and seeking Him every day. We've got to be mindful of this. We're a blessed people. We're a blessed church. Hunger, hunger, hunger in the natural represents health. 
When someone loses the appetite, when someone is, is in the natural and someone doesn't want to eat, it's a sign that something's not right. Spiritual hunger represents spiritual health. Whenever someone starts to lose their hunger for God, starts to lose their desperation, starts to lose that edge, starts to lose that passion. It's a dangerous place to be. In Hebrews 5 verse 12, Paul talks about and he refers to, 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 to uh, he says this, he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. In the New King James, it says milk and not meat. He's talking of the understanding of the Word. He says, basically, he's saying there's the different levels of revelation or there's the different levels of understanding. There's the level of milk, but then there's the level of meat. There's the level of of liquid food and there's the level of solid food. He's talking about growing in your understanding of the Word. The thing about the milk is the milk, when they're referring to it, it's referring to like a nurturing mother, how a mother provides milk for their child. The thing about the milk is it represents someone else, food that someone else has digested. Food of someone else's revelation that's now been passed on to you. But when you step from milk to meat, you're not going from someone else's revelation. You're stepping into your own revelation that you went out and you caught and killed yourself. You're going from a level of here to a level of there. But it's going to take a hungry person to say, I'm not going to stay in the milk now. I want the meat. God has another level for us. It's another level of revelation. I want to stir you and I want to encourage you. It's time to start getting a hungry heart for the things of God. Coming into service hungry. How often do you get hungry before you come to church? Getting hungry for the Word. Do you walk into church hungry for the Word of God? Something that I challenged my team when we started to grow with my leadership team and, and I started to see my leaders were starting to just chill a bit. Just sort of cruising into service, cruising into, into meetings. But then I would see a difference because I remember I looked across at one leader one week and, I, and, 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 and he was down the front during worship. He was like this. And I said to my sister, I said, look at him. I said, gee, he's grown in God. You know, he's doing well. And my assistant said, yeah, she said, he's doing the offering today. And I thought... <laughs> I thought, well, that's why he's so passionate. He's ready to get up and give a word. And so it struck me. So what I did with my team, I said, okay, from now on, none of you will know whether you're going to get up and do the offering or preach until five minutes before service. And then I'll tell you. And we did it for six months. Because I saw the difference when they had to do something They were coming hungry, they were passionate, they had been prayed up, they had been seeking God, they had a word, they were ready to roll. And so what I did was we did six months of all of them, none of them knew, there were 96 leaders and coming into service, none of them knew whether they were about to be asked to preach, do an offering or do announcements, so they had to be ready. And it changed our leadership team, that got them all freaking out at first, but then they grew a bit. 
But I loved it because they were coming into service hungry for God, coming into service after being praying, coming into service ready to, carrying something of, of their own hunger and passion for God. We've got to be doing this more and more as people, as we come before God and we come into services, it's hungering after more of Him. It's being, learning to be a hungry person. The thing about hungry people in the natural is a hungry person will rub off on you. Have you ever been with someone who's hungry for food and you're not? Sometimes it will happen. So sometimes if, if I'm with someone and, and, and you'll say, they'll say, do you want to eat? And you say, I'm not hungry. You ever say that? I'm not hungry and they're hungry. So let's go eat. Let's go eat. So you, you sort of go along for the sake of it. And then you sit down and the waitress comes and they, you know, it happened to us the other day with me and Chris and the waitress comes and they said, do you want food? And the other person will order and they'll say, do you want anything? And you're like, um, look, give me the menu. Let me have a look. Do you do this? And then you find yourself, you start looking at the menu and you think, you know what? Maybe I'll get something. Or, or perhaps you think you're not hungry until the food comes and you see their food and you look at their food and you say, I don't think I was hungry. Actually, let me, let me get, I'll get one of those. See, it's the thing about a hungry person. You ever come into service and you're feeling a bit down, you're just not into it or whatever, and you stand next to... You know when you come into church and you're not in the mood? I know like no one here comes like that, but you know when you come to church and you're just done, you know what I mean? You're just like, whatever, and you come in and for some reason... God orchestrates for you to stand next to or sit next to the most passionate praiser in the building. And you hate them. And you're standing in there because you're standing there and praise like this. And the cap beside you is going off their head. And then all of a sudden you're standing there and praise and you're trying to just, just maintain your attitude and just try and chill. But the person beside you is just getting their dance on. There are people like me, they don't even know how to dance, but they're just moving something. And then all of a sudden you're standing beside them and you start being, I've the promise of the cross. You know, and then you start, what happens is that the, the, the hungry person starts to rub off on you. And the hungry person, and this is why we have to be a church that's a hungry church, because we need to have people that come in here. And when they come in here, they're carrying stuff. But then they all of a sudden, they get around some hungry people. And then they realise, you know what? I didn't think I was hungry until I came into Free Chapel on a Sunday morning. And then when I saw the food going on around me and I saw everyone experiencing what was happening, all of a sudden people are putting up their hand to take an order and say, I'm going to have some of that too. We need to have Christians that are hungry hearted Christians. I love the story. I love the story of Elijah and Elisha, the story in, in 2 Kings. It's this great story. And, and, and it's almost like Elijah is the prophet and he has Elisha following him. And, and he, he's, he's about to, to go away and, and ascend up into heaven. And, and Elisha's there. And Elijah is, is almost like that friend that won't leave. Do you know what I mean? Do you know those, you know those people you have them over for dinner and they just can't take the hint? You know, my, my, when we used to have friends over to my parents' house when we were growing up, my dad just used to walk out in his pyjamas. You got friends, like you're, you're a teenager, you know what I mean? You're chilling, you're trying to act cool. Nothing will mess with your mojo more than turning beside you and there's your dad standing in his pyjamas. My dad would just stand in the whole group and say, well, it's good to have you here. 
Might be home time now. You know those friends, this is what it was like with Elijah. Elijah's got Elisha there and Elijah says to him, listen, stay here. It's cool. You're good. Thanks, man. Awesome. It's been great having you. You can stay here. But look what happens. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So then they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. And then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord. This time he says, please. He's like begging him to stay. Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me onto the Jordan. But he said, as, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. A double portion. You can hear in Elisha and you hear it in his voice as he keeps saying, no, 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 I'm going to go on ahead. Elijah kept saying, stay here, chill, settle. It's all right, you stay here. But Elisha had this hungry heart that said, wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. And, and, and we know, if you know the story, his heart, just as we read, his heart was so hungry when it came to ask, what do you want? He was hungry enough to ask for a double portion. And then this hunger, I love the story of Elisha because if you know it, when Elisha was buried, the hunger that was in his heart was so much so that the hunger was even still in his dead bones. Because when they buried him and they buried his bones and then they put a dead man on top of his bones, the hunger that was inside of his bones still was burning so much so that it jumped on top of the dead body and the dead body got up and lived. I want to tell you, if you get a hungry heart and you get around people with hungry hearts, their hunger will jump off them and get on you. That's why you got to get around some hungry people that stir your passion for God and stir your excitement for Him. People that are passionate about knowing God more. We got to have hungry hearts. Hearts that are hungry for God. I'm hungry for His presence. I'm I'm more hungry for the touch of God on my life than anything else. I'm more hungry to know Him more than anything else. We've got to have this passion burn within our heart more than anything else. It's having hungry hearts. Sickness kills hunger. Sickness in the natural kills hunger. And it's the same way in the Spirit. Some of the most debilitating things to your hunger for God is sickness of doubt, sickness of unbelief, 
sickness of unforgiveness. You keep these things in your life, it'll kill your hunger for God. You've got to get rid of these, these things. The other, one of the other things that will kill hunger is snacking. Snacking kills hunger. Did your mum ever say this to you when you go to the pantry before dinner? I used to go to the pantry before dinner and I'd be snacking on lots of different food and then my mum would look at me and say, Ben, don't do that. You're going to spoil your dinner. Snacking. See, why do we, so many people, why there's so many Christians that, 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 that don't have a hunger for God is because they've been snacking on the world. If you snack on the world... You're snacking on websites you shouldn't be looking at. You're snacking on addictions that you're not called to have that God's already broken. You're snacking on gossip. You're, you're snacking on TV shows you shouldn't be watching. Snacking on things that you shouldn't be doing. Snacking on conversations you shouldn't be having. Snacking on thoughts you shouldn't be thinking. And what's happening is it's affecting your appetite for Him. You gotta, you gotta starve yourself from anything else except Jesus. You gotta get so rid of everything else and create space for Him and come before God empty and broken and say, God, I want your touch on my life more than anything else. I'm starved for anything else except Jesus. It's making a decision that I'm gonna live with a hungry heart for Him, desperate for Him more than anything else. Desperate for His touch. Desperate for His presence. John Piper said, The weakness of our hunger for God is because we keep ourselves full with other things. We're going to come into the time of fasting in January. That's what I love about fasting. That's why fasting is such a powerful thing. It's you're doing something in the natural that triggers something in the supernatural. But let it not be something that you wait to January before you stir your passion and your heart for Him. Let it be, let it be a lifestyle that we live of, 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 a, of a hungry heart. Hungry hearts for God. That we would be a church that's hungry for Him. That we would be a church that's more hungry for His presence during this Christmas season more than anything else. Because I want to tell you, hunger, hungry hearts attract heaven. You'll pull down something from heaven when you're hungry. Jesus always responded to hungry people. He wasn't rattled by crowds, but he saw the one hungry person. The woman that, with the issue of blood, you know the story, the hungry person. Caught in her issues, in her challenges, but hungry enough to press through a crowd to reach out and just grab the hem of his garment. It wasn't the crowd that stopped him, but it was one hungry woman. He's preaching a sermon in a house full of people. And as he's preaching, they start, someone starts pulling tiles off the roof and they lower a sick man down in the middle of the roof into the middle of the room. And Jesus stops for this one person because it was a hungry person. We've got to have hunger in our hearts. Are you hungry for Him? Are you hungry for His touch? Are you hungry for His presence? I want to challenge you, church. You've got to see what God has for you for your future. 
get hungry for it. It, it, it. Hungry heart, hungry heart will break you, break you into a new level. Hungry heart will break through obstacles. Hungry heart will take new territory. And we've got to come into this Christmas season, especially in these next few weeks, and making a decision, you know what? We're going to be hungrier for Him than we ever have before. Right across this room, if you're at our musicians and Carmen, that we're going to do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.